<laughs> okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians. We don't get often into 1 Corinthians, do we? I don't know how many years we've been in 1 Corinthians, but all you other fellows preaching, that's making up the difference. And we've got Gary Murray in his lawn. Oh. you that's first corinthians chapter 11 when you think first corinthians chapter 11 what do you think lord's table don't you <laughs> but we're not there yet that'll be another that's three three whatever with visiting preachers and that um the honorable minister of the knesset if you want a copy we can send it by the email or we can have a, you can have a hard copy if you let me know about that just to read through it a big bible study if you wanted to but just read through it the contents of that as was sent to the Knesset members individually on Tuesday and Wednesday they mightn't read it none of them might read it but they will <laughs> when the it gets so dire in Israel that they'll be looking for answers and if they've taken a little brief at it a brief look or well, the secretary might be in trouble for she filed it in spam or what do you call it? The bin. <laughs> Dig it out of the bin. And uh, let's see. Praise the Lord for his word. He's got answers for them and us. And I finding in what's happening in Gaza, a lot of, a lot of Christian organisations are all for Israel and, and they just don't. They're missing the tribulation. It's going to make a noise. <laughs> they're missing the tribulation. If only they realise that because they're not warning Israel. They're not saying, hey, listen to what the Bible says. They're very about meeting the needs now and there are some big needs in Israel. There's some need of farmers over there <laughs> to pick the crops and to do that. Because a lot of people have gone into the war. 300,000 men, I think, have gone to fighting. Sounds like days of old, doesn't it? When you read the Bible, you know, reading there, and Judah and them gathered 800,000 men. And then 200,000 died. And you think, wow, you know, things haven't changed much with the size, just the armament they use. They don't need as many men. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you read it this afternoon, you'll see what we're talking about. The problem that's ordering the church as far as headship is concerned. And this is what we're looking at this evening. <clears throat> One of the biggest problems in the Corinthian church was disorder in their public worship. If you read through Corinthians, you get the gist. That's what's, what was happening. Some of the women were assuming more freedom than they should have. There was disorder at the Lord's table, which is dealt with later in chapter 11. And there was confusion and the use of spiritual gifts. Were they a gifted church? Yeah. Very gifted church. A lot of them could speak in tongues, real tongues. Uh, not like today, not gibberish, but they could speak in real tongues and needed interpreters and all that that we'll get into if we get that far. Not tonight. Um, <clears throat> they had been enriched with spiritual gifts, but they didn't have this grace to go with it. And that was all about, look at me, look what I can do. <laughs> you can't do that. And that was their problem. They had no grace in exercising the gifts. We need to have that. And uh, Paul could have tried to solve the problems of the church by edict. He could have said, I'm an apostle, you listen to me. But he didn't. 
he patiently explained the spiritual principles that it's good because it's not only just for that church, but it's for all, all of us. There's principles laid down by which we do things in the Word of God and supported his teaching that he gave the church. So he founded his arguments in the Word of God and there he used cultural setting to, as we will see it tonight. And Paul dealt with three particular... I've done it right down. <laughs> what do I press? Yeah, because it's going over the microphone. <laughs> See, I need young people to help me out with these. Mine's a Samsung. <laughs> they should do it. Next time we'll shoot it. Okay. <laughs> There's, uh, we're looking at three areas that it's dealt with in Chapter 11. The, and one, the one tonight is the problem of Christian headship deals with authority and attitudes toward it. Then the next one will be the problem of carnal fellowship, verse 17 to 22, deals with the feasts and festivities in the fellowship. It's good to have a fellowship lunch. We seem to get more people. Hey, we had one last week and we uh, filled the church. <laughs> do you want to do that every week? <laughs> no, it's, too, it's a pretty big day, isn't it? Um, but they had carnal fellowship, not, not Christian way of doing it. And uh, the third thing, the third problem in chapter 11 is the problem of correct worship in how to order the Lord's Supper. And that's the three things dealt with. So with what suggestion did Paul begin this chapter in verse 1? Be ye followers of me, as even as I also am of Christ. Now... As we said last time we were in the study, it was more than a month ago, this verse would be better put with the conclusion to the, the last chapter in which Paul had enforced the cautions he had given against abuse of Christian liberty. And so it would be better to say, and he did, he gave his example. We looked at other portions of scripture where he set an example of Christian liberty. I, I, can, I can do this. I'm free to do that, but I won't do it so, so I don't offend a brother. So he didn't abuse his Christian liberty. So that would probably go better with the previous chapter. Chapter and verse divisions are not inspired. The word is. <laughs> and they weren't in there. They were just one big letter, like you'd write a letter originally. Um, <clears throat> now, could we say what Paul said to younger Christians that were under our care? Be ye followers of me? Sort of a bit of a rebuke, isn't it? <clears throat> Well, I failed this week in this and this and I wouldn't want the young Christians to be around when I fail or thought or whatever. The Lord knows you've done and we've done those things. But it would be good to be able to say, yes, follow me, I'm following the Lord. And if not, we need to lift our game and uh, walk better and closer to the Lord. And we can say, we are following Christ, follow me. I pray that we can, as long as these that we're following are following Christ. As Paul said, I'm following Christ, you follow me. Um, when one deviates from Christ, Christ's example, let's not deviate with them from the example that they are setting in a bad way. Do you know people, don't, don't call them out, <laughs> you know people that once they were an example to you but now 
no, I'm not going to follow them anymore, for they're not following the word, the Lord Jesus. And then, then it's sort of a, a bit of a thing we need to take heed to. Now, I've written a few down, but I won't talk about them. And <laughs> Some of them you wouldn't even know. Now I praise you, brethren, verse 2, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered unto you. So we've done the introduction. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray that it might be a blessing to each one of us tonight and we'd take heed to it because it is your word and we need to follow it and then we can say, follow me. Lord, thank you for those that have come tonight and bless the word as it's given. Bless those that are listening in as well, for we know they are and we thank you for them. Ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> uh, what does Paul here in verse 2 do? He says, now I praise you. He's giving thanks for them. Remember me, he said also. So there's two things he says in verse 2 to do. And he thanked them for, well, and he asked us and others to pray for him, as it were, for their remembrance of him. How the servant of God needs to be remembered by the people of God and what way should the folk remember? And I'm thankful for this, that you remembered to pray for the preacher in his preparations during the week and his presentation on the weekend. We need to pray. And, and I can almost say, well, yes, people have prayed you know when you're preaching that that has happened. But sometimes I can say, wow, that was a struggle. Yeah. And you say, I wonder if people prayed. You know, we're only human. I know we failed to do it. But Paul says, remember me, pray for me. And he is an apostle. He was a man that knew eight languages. If he needed prayer, the regular pastors need prayer too. <laughs> Much. And remember, pray for and um, Paul didn't just say this once. He's, he mentioned this many times in mo most of the letters he wrote to different churches in the, to the book of, or to the people of, in Rome in chapter 15, verse 30 and 33. Who, at the time he wrote that, he hadn't written, he hadn't been there. He'd hoped to go there, and he did get there. Compliments of the government, but he got there in chapter 15 and verse um, 30 to 33. He said this: Now I beseech you, brethren. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So there he's urging the people of Rome he never met to pray for him. Strive together. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. We don't battle against the physical. We battle against the spiritual. Wickedness in high places, as the book of Ephesians tells us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, just another example of how he asked and requested for prayer, he said in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 1, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us and whom we trust he will yet deliver us. Paul on the road on his, in his ministry had been delivered, was being delivered and will be. Now, we could apply that to salvation. Was, is and shall complete it. But it is referring to the things he faced in life. And ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons you see you are a part of what's said in the church the gift bestowed upon us 
by the means of many per- you are praying empowering the preaching even of the apostle that's what it's saying here you're a part of it if you, if you want a good sermon on sunday what should you do pray pray for the preacher pray for the sermon and the preparation of it because a lot goes in you you start brother lee you start in the early in the week and you get it and, and more thoughts come to your mind and who's bringing those thoughts to our minds i pray it's god you know th- those wake waking hours of the day the evening and the night or whatever pops into your head yeah I'll, I'll jot that one down keep a paper and a pen next to your bed especially when you get older because by the morning it's flowing away and you can't remember that was a good thought <laughs> where to go <laughs> why can't i remember it it was such a pertinent point anyway that happens more these days that's why the pen and paper whiz um <clears throat> so he's praying that the by the means of many people thanks may be given by many on our behalf that's talking about prayer now we're not we need to get into the subject don't we <laughs> and he also for their practice of the ordinances he gave thanks there back in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 um, and the first verse is there verse, a second verse and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you they were keeping the ordinances but he had to correct a few things he'd heard uh, Chloe had written a letter and said hey they're a little bit out of order in the Lord's table here can you write a letter to them I don't know if she said that exactly but you know things are not like they should be in Christian circles it was all new the church was new uh, <clears throat> uh, we should practice not uh, he talks about traditions here not the traditions of men but, and, and the things well he's talking about these things because what hadn't happened yet they hadn't got all the Bible so it wasn't together and so that that when you read, ah, oh, we follow church traditions, when you, it comes up in the scripture, no, you follow the scriptures now because those traditions have been written down, they're ordered in the, in, in the Bible of the way we should keep order in the church. Now, there's some traditions of men that we shouldn't keep. <laughs> there's a lot of traditions we don't keep in an independent Baptist church. What would they be? Can I take my toy off? <laughs> you see what I mean? There are some things that, out of respect, we wear a tie. We're in the house of the Lord. That's, that's, you know, something to show respect to the Lord. But there's some traditions. If you're in Africa, do they wear ties? I don't think so. I haven't. New Guinea? Um, you start looking at the missionaries and their photos. I, you know, to me, it doesn't matter if they're wearing a tie or not. But it would offend people if yeah, the preacher got up. Uh, uh, what do you call those runners? Or thongs? Thongs? Uh, clogs? Clogs? Clots? Or whatever they call them. And, you know, I, I did wear them. Crocs, I think they're called. To church once. <laughs> I knew you'd pick it up. <laughs> I wore them to prayer meeting because... I had got gout for the first time in my life and it was really painful. Not even a sock could touch it. So I wore nothing touched it in a crock. And so I wore them to prayer meeting. And I was going out and 
Sister Ruth was there. She'd, she'd listened to the whole sermon that and hadn't noticed I wore Crocs. <laughs> but that's a tradition, you know, I won't wear Crocs if I don't have to. But to some traditions, the things that they go on about at Christmas time in some churches, there's nothing about the spiritual matter in life. It's all about tradition and the systems and the things. That, and we have to be careful not to follow man's traditions. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says... And the things that thou hast heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. Remember, the scriptures were being given, and so these things that I've taught you, these letters that I've written to you, keep them. And we have the compiled canon of scripture. So avoid man's traditions. Matthew 15, verses 2 and 3. Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Uh, <clears throat> so beware and avoid those. But hold to the traditions that have been taught in the word of God, the teachings of it. The problem of Christian headship now comes up. Verses 3 to 7, we have biblical order. Creation's order, verse 8 to 12, and nature's order, verses 3 to 16. The biblical order, verse 3 to 7. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of, every, of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head un or covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that, that is even all one as if she were shaved for if the woman be not covered let her also be shorn but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaved let her be covered for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image of the glory of the Lord of God but the woman is the glory of the man so the pattern is penned down in verse 3 who is the head of Christ um, God the Father, the Father, recognised in Scripture. Who is the head of man? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the head of woman, as it is in verse 3? The man. And in Christ's redemptive ministry, Christ was subject to the Father. Did he say that? Did he do that? Yes, he did. Though he was equal with the Father, he was in submission to the Father. Not my will, but thy will be done, he said at the cross. He said also, I and my Father are one. They're one, but they're in order. It's in John 10, 30. And in John chapter 14 and verse 28, we have this written. John 14, 28 says, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is, what does it say? Greater than I. He said he was equal, but then he said he's greater than I. That's in the position of order and authority. That's what he's talking of there. Likewise, the woman, woman is subject to the man, even though in Christ she is equal with the man, just as the Son and the Father. I mentioned uh, <clears throat> Galatians chapter, chapter 3 and verse 28. I have this one marked, 3, 28. It says, 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. So rejoice. All of us are one in Christ Jesus. Just as we are, as God the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. But there, are, there is an order. Um, <clears throat> and so... Yes, one of the biggest problems in the church there at Corinth, as we mentioned earlier, was the disorder. Women praying and prophesying, verses 3 and 6. The Christian, this is what he talked about, so we have to be honest with the scripture. The Christian faith brought freedom and hope to women, to children, and to slaves. And it taught that people, regardless of their race, of their sex, or their standing in society, were equal before their creator and that all believers were one in Christ Jesus as we read in 3 and 28 and we've noted before the local church was perhaps the only fellowship in the whole of Roman Empire that was so inclusive this was a new thing this was breaking the norms we could say the church was in that they all would meet together and there's no segregation there is equal in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Roman Empire and is welcomed by all people regardless of nationality, social status and their, economical, their economic position. Um, <clears throat> it was to be expected that would there be problems. This is a new thing that just happened. This is a newfound freedom and what do freedoms often breed? Excesses, doesn't, don't they? In some people's lives they can take it and say, yeah, I can run with that all the way <laughs> and uh, do the wrong thing. A new movement always suffers more from the disciples within than its enemies without. And this was true in the Corinthian church. And some of the women were, were flaunting their freedoms in the public meetings by refusing to be covered, covering their heads when they participated, as it was their, and I add this, as it was their custom to do to wear the head covering in that day. So Paul sought to restore order by reminding the Corinthians that God had made a difference between men and women. And the order goes right back to creation. And he's dealing with that. Each had a proper place in God's economy. There were also appropriate customs and the customs of the day. The custom of our day is different to the custom of their day. That symbolized these relationships and reminded both men and women of their correct place in the order of things and especially in the church Paul did not say or even hint that the difference meant inequality or inferiority if there is to be peace in the church 15 verse 33 of Corinthians then there must be some kind of order have you ever been in a classroom where there's disorder is there any learning is there any growing is there anything happening no there needs to be order in the church and um, uh, at camp you have to have order and, and in, the, in the clubs on Friday night, there has to be order. And there's ways of getting the order. And, it, and you can use certain things to, to get the order quickly, especially rewards. There's a carrot, <laughs> something that they'll get if they, if they have order. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. What situation was Paul talking about here within the church or within the world? Was it outside or was it inside? He was talking about inside the church. In verses 3 to 7, this is not outside. You can't go force people outside of the church. There's some religions that would force their thing on everyone, wouldn't they? 
gives me the creeps when I see women all dressed in black with a slit. Just, oh, it, we're not talking about that here, okay? It's far, far from that in the Christian liberty we have in Christ. Now, <clears throat> the principle portrayed, we see the pattern penned in order and they're given in verse uh, 3. Then the, the, the um, principle portrayed, verses 4 and 6. For the man, verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoureth his head. Should a man cover his head with a shawl uh, when he's praying or prophesying or preaching? No, no. Why shouldn't he? Because covering his head, he dishonours his head. Not his head. He covers his head. He dishonours his head. The Lord Jesus. And so that, that's what it's saying here. He dishonours the Lord Jesus Christ if he covers his head when he's, when he's preaching and ministering. <laughs> I noticed that this morning because I'm going to preach it tonight. <laughs> Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. See, he, he has. <laughs> we'll talk about that too. <laughs> now for the woman, uh, verse 5, verse 5. What was the traditional and customary symbol of submission to headship in Paul's day? The shawl covering. In Paul's day, what did the women do? To their men, if they prayed or prophesied, that's getting touchy, isn't it? <laughs> With their head uncovered. See, there were, in the book of Acts, was it Agabus's daughters that prophesied to Paul? I, uh, I think it was. They were getting that in the early day. But what did they do if they did this? Un, um, uncovered. They dishonoured their husbands. They must honour the Lord by honouring their husbands. And they were rejecting the symbol of headship, hair and head coverings. Now, just as a by the way here, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 5. We, you put it all in. You put the, all the scriptures in. 2.11, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach... Who wrote this? Who wrote First Corinthians? Paul, same man. I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. So you can throw this in with the portion in First Corinthians chapter 11. For Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, for if they continue in the faith and charity, with holiness and sobriety. So there, <clears throat> it's, it's mentioned. Again, in a different light about teaching. And we're talking, we're talking here about praying and prophesying in the church. Add that to it, about the teaching side of things. Prophesying was telling what the Lord had showed unto them as happened in the book of Acts, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> the important fact is both men and women must honour the Lord by respecting the symbols of headship, hair and the head covering. Whenever a woman prayed or prophesied, as we've just mentioned, um, she was to have long hair or hair that would, you know, and it's hard sometimes for the ladies to, for it to grow, as um, someone found out. <laughs> 
or must wear a covering. The man should have short hair and not wear any covering. Now you think of Paul in his day. Think of the Jews today. What do they wear on their head? The kippah. They have a head covering. So Paul in his day would have had to bite the bullet and take me head covering off because the Bible, the Lord had revealed this to them. And the man honours his head, the Lord Jesus, by being uncovered, while the woman honours her head, the man, by being covered. And she shows submission in so doing to God and to man. Now the Corinthian women who appeared in the assembly without the covering, the head covering, either or, you know, the shawl or the hair, were actually putting themselves on a very low level in their society in which they lived. They were putting themselves down to the level of a temple prostitute in that day. So the prostitutes wore their hair very short. They didn't wear a head covering in public. And so their hairstyle and manner announced to others what they were about and what they were up to, what they were advertising. And if you're going to abandon the covering, Paul wrote, then why not shave your head? That's what he said here. Shave it. Shave it off and you feel sorry for a lady that has cancer and has all the hair fall out or is that and uh, and you say wear a hat <laughs> or wear something to cover as it grows um, wear something if you've got cancer on your head isn't that true <laughs> that's where Adolf sat I believe um, <clears throat> and if Jewish if in Jewish law a woman proved guilty of adultery you know what she they did to her well, they stoned her. One, one, that was one thing. But some, another thing they did was shave their, shave her head to say she is one of those horde, whores down the street. That you know, that that would be pretty shameful. And it was a very big deterrent, wasn't? It? Oh, what, what would happen today if we went around sharing, shaving heads of ladies that did that? What percentage would have shaved heads? Just ask you, <laughs> in a Western society. Uh, <clears throat> and so, shaved means shaved off or shorn, cut short. There. <clears throat> the principle, uh, well, verse 6 we read back in our, I've shifted from it, in our reference. Every woman that prayeth or prophesieth her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, the man, and that even for that is even all one as if she were shaved for if the woman be not covered let her also be shorn but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn which it was let her be covered yeah, logical and uh, <clears throat> the principle in verse 7 given for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God but the woman is the glory of the man which we've really basically covered there the woman glorifies God and brings glory to the man by submitting to God's order and keeping her head covered in public worship. Thus Paul tried together or tied together both the local custom of head covering and the biblical truth that's given for the hair and the growth and the long hair. Creation's order. We've looked at biblical order. Now creation's order, verses 8. You've got to finish this. You can't just get to halfway through this one. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. 
There is purpose in creation's order as given way back in the book of Genesis. Who came from whom in creation? Woman came from man, the rib. The rib. We've still got the same number of ribs. I don't know if Adam did. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I heard a saying years ago, I haven't heard it repeated, and maybe it's not culturally acceptable today. Um, <clears throat> well, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it because I forgot. Yeah. Adam's rib, Satan's fib, women's lib. So you put those three together. <laughs> <laughs> that was just by the way I'd heard, I'd heard it I think it was Doug Couch that said that sort of thing at Calvary Baptist Church now you won't forget that it's rib, fib and lib <laughs> that goes along there but <clears throat> there is purpose in creation's order uh, woman came from man and God's order is based on the fact that man was created first 1 Timothy 2.13 for Adam was first formed then Eve and who was created for whom, according to verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 11? So neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. And that was, you know, Adam saw these animals, female and male and female, and what about me? <laughs> I don't know if he said that to God, but God saw that he had that need, and that the need was met by that creation. And priority... Does priority imply inferiority? No. No. Just because the man was created, I mean the woman was created from the man, it doesn't mean inferiority, not at all. So there's a purpose in creation's order. There's partnership in creation's order as well. If you skip verse 10 and go to verse 11, nevertheless neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. So Paul made it clear in verse 11 and 12 that there is partnership as well as headship in God's creation. Neither is the man without the woman. Neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. It's partnership. It's a togetherness. It's, it's like in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 where it's talking about um, a marriage there, that they, in chapter 5 verse 30, they become one. They become unity. They're in that tied together for life isn't that true <laughs> someone else has got a phone that's not turned off fix that one Sam <laughs> um, <clears throat> the man and the woman are spiritually one in the Lord one in the Lord they're, they're in it together and, and it helps so much in ministry to be in it together because the woman does what the man doesn't think about and the man does what the woman doesn't think about and it can work together like that. Now, <clears throat> they belong in, to and need each other. The woman came from the man at the beginning, but as we read on in verse 12, but as the woman is of the man, back in Genesis, creation's order, even so is the man also by the woman. What does that mean? Any men here that don't have a mum? That's what it's saying. <laughs> They come, the ladies come from the men, and now the men come from the ladies. That was to say, if you don't have a mum, you're not human. Well, they're trying on that, aren't they? They're working on that test tube, babies. Uh, God forbid. And, and who knows what they have done in genetics, especially in communist, atheistic, anti-God societies. 
Who knows what they've created? They, they, they don't tell you about it. But anyway, it, before, the, before the flood, things got bad, didn't they? And it was all about this, and it was all messed up. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and what a mess it become. And God had to wipe them all out. But the th the eight people that weren't still pedigree, as some some people some have put it. Uh, <clears throat> so that's verse twelve. What does verse ten say? We go back to that one. Or to have on her head, as it says, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head, because of the angels and you say ah the woman's got power <laughs> people that read this who were not saved would get all sorts of ideas <clears throat> there's a reference here why did Paul bring up the angels in verse 10 he was arguing from the fact of facts of creation and, and are the angels eternal or, or were they created beings they're created beings aren't they they were part of creation the angels also know their place in the order and they have respect. If you find, you find in like Isaiah 6.2 that they cover their faces coming into the presence of God. It's interesting, isn't it? A covering. They, had, they covered their faces and they showed respect to, the, to, to their creator. In some way special, the angels share in public worship of the church. Did you bring your angel tonight? It tells us that, you know, way back when we were little, we were given an angel. And um, I pray, pray that he hasn't been <laughs> left behind or spared us. My cousin was talked to by an older person. She went from Avangely down to church down Melbourne Way too. It was about 25 miles. And it was Wellington Road. And it was a pretty open road then. It's pretty busy now. But one older person said, you know, you're driving dangerously. She had a little green Tirana. And, they, and she said, I've got a guardian angel. And the person said, they couldn't keep up with you. <laughs> and the speed they were going is, Dot, she's still alive and still got car. <laughs> she's still driving. <clears throat> She'd been here in church, actually. She might be listening in. Sorry, Dot. <laughs> I've given her her, na her her name we gave her. <laughs> But angels, public worship is a serious thing. For the angels are present. We bring our angels, they are here, they are listening in. The Lord is present. We're two or three. There am I in the midst of us. We ought to conduct ourselves as if we were in heaven. And this is a very serious thing. That's why we show respect, shouldn't we? <laughs> show respect. Um, <clears throat> so we have creation's order. We have well, biblical order, creation's order, and now... Nature's order, verse 13. We read on, Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Is it? No. It's not. It's not. She needs to have that covering. Um, <clears throat> verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? So what does Paul tell him in verse 13? Use your brain. Is it fitting? Is this good? Is this a way to behave? No. In a general way, it is true that nature gives women longer hair and men shorter. 
The Romans and Greeks and the Jews did that. That's what they did. If you look at a statue, even from Rome, what are the they have long hair? The men? No, they have short hair. That's what they were. That's how they lived back then in the Bible times. In the early, who were the only ones in the Bible that were allowed to have, or were commissioned to have long hair that were men? Nazarites. That's right. And what was the name of the Nazarite that had long hair? Samson. Yep, and, and when he got his hair cut off, he lost his strength. That was, um, but all the others had short hair. You know, <laughs> one man grew his hair long and he was a rebel. And his hair was his undoing, or his doing up. It stitched him up. <laughs> Who was his name? What was his name? Solomon. Oh, I mean, sorry, Solomon. Sorry, Solomon. <laughs> Absalom. His son, Solomon's son. <laughs> And he was riding his ass, and his hair was so thick, and he got hung up in the branches. <laughs> Imagine trying to get your hair out. He probably struggled to. It was a dangerous thing to be dangling from a branch when the enemy was after you, and they found him. Oh, we saw him back there. Why don't you javelin him? Said Joab. <laughs> I just read it <laughs> this week. And I, no, no, you heard what David said. Be treat him kindly. <laughs> Joab said, I'm a man of war, fix him. And they covered him with stones and buried him. But he, his hair was his undoing. He grew long hair and he, he hung up by it and he got well, caught by it and they could get him easy. <clears throat> but a Nazarite, Samson, was told to. <laughs> let's, let's go a little bit further. Where was Jesus from? Nazarene. Is a Nazarite and a Nazarene the same? No. <laughs> okay? No. So all the pictures you've seen, all the Sunday school th pictures you've got, I don't know if regular Baptist press do it, I haven't looked at them, have Jesus with long hair. And effeminate, yeah. It, that's the way they portray him. And he wasn't that way. Yeah, can you imagine him in the temple turning the tables over and the money going everywhere and goats and sheep being released and birds and doves flying? It was a, quite a picture that day, a scene to behold. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible nowhere specifies the length of the hair. It simply states that there ought to be such a difference that you know there is, that's a man, that's a woman. You know, you can see it from a distance even. Yeah. And they've got long hair, they've got short hair. So young fellas, I've noticed with young fellas that have long hair, they're always going. <laughs> Just cut it off, you don't have to have it. Go out and drive a bulldozer in the summer or a, a wheel tractor without a cabin for a day and see how long hair fares. It slowly builds up the dust and dirt in it. In short hair it does, even bad enough. Imagine trying to get that out every day. Get a life. <laughs> Cut your hair. And um, make it easy for yourself. And don't look like a woman. This is not going to go down well. Probably someone on the internet shouting at me. But <laughs> that's all right, they're not here. <laughs> The woman's long hair, it says, doesn't even nature teach you itself, did it? 
Just think about it, fellas. If a man have long hair, just shame to him. But if a woman have long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. covering. Now, we'll go to this. The woman's long hair is her glory and is given to her for a covering. And it could be said instead of a covering. And that blows some things out of the water, doesn't it? There was someone here last week wearing a hat. Now, I, don't, I don't have a problem. If they want to, that's fine. But they, they believe probably different to what I've just said. This is well they're not here today. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's the literal translation, instead of a covering. In other words, if local custom does not dictate that they wear a shawl or a head covering, her long hair can be that covering. Paul did not mean for all women in every culture to wear a shawl for a head covering or a hat. But he did expect them to use long hair as the covering and as a symbol of their submission to God and his order in authority in the church. And this is something every woman can do in that. So nature's order teaches us a few things doesn't specify the length of a hair so we're not going to get the measurement out <clears throat> but if you have to flick it and I know I don't know, I don't know maybe, you know, ladies they're talking on the news or something and they're going <laughs> you just stop doing that it's distracting me <laughs> I, it's, I don't know the kid behind their ears is sort of a bit of an anchor but it does tend to come down in front of their, their face <laughs> I don't know if you can grow it differently, but that's just the way they, some have fringes, some yeah, you, you do it. it. What does it say in the scriptures about, I think it's in Peter there, you know, of gold and silver and braiding of hair and that. Okay, they do that. If you look in the book of Ezekiel, I can't remember what chapter it is there, the law, Lord decked out Israel as his wife. And, and, and the things that it mentions there, I'd say we won't advertise that verse or those chapters because you could, you could say, well, he decked her out and I put it to the pastors and meeting in the men's meeting once and they said, well, we won't talk about that one. <laughs> it was Buddy Smith. <laughs> and Pastor Smith was there. <clears throat> Any questions? I said, yeah, this one in Ezekiel, what is that talking about? And someone come up and said, well, it's only an illustration. I said, but it's a pretty good one <laughs> when it's talking about how the Lord decked Israel out. But it's not about the outside. It's about the inside, the submission of the heart to God and his word. That's what it's about, isn't it? And if we have a, oh, no, I don't believe what he's saying tonight. I don't want to hear the scriptures. Your problem. <laughs> You've got the problem, not me. You've got a problem with God and his word. <clears throat> there. Um, long hair as a covering. Headship applies in every culture. But the means of demonstrating it differs from place to place. The important thing is submission of the heart, as I've just said. The Bible does not forbid a woman to have nicely braided hair, as I've just mentioned. First Peter, there it is, chapter 3. It does expressly say... <clears throat> and Tozer said this, it does expressly say that putting on of apparel or wearing braided hair and gold are not a woman's real adornment, the adornment is of the heart. That's what Tozer, quoting from him. In the book I call it heresy. 
that's where he wrote that. So in verse 16, concluding, if, a, if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom. <laughs> he didn't just cancel out all that he just wrote about. <laughs> it almost looks like that, doesn't he? Doesn't it, as you say there? We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. And it closes the matter <coughs> here. Does one complain? It tells us no New Testament church had long hair for men or short, I mean short hair for women. That, that wasn't their custom. We have no such contentions. We, this is the early church. It didn't have a problem, but here is it dealt with as he has given it here. So he's, he just, there was total disorder in the church. He's trying to get order, and this is to start with. And then we go into the next phrase, or the, the feasting, and then the Lord's table, and keeping the right order. What does the Bible say? Do everything decently and in order, as we, as we ought to. You're glad you only have First Corinthians once? A month or less, <laughs> because it is, you know, didn't down to the nitty gritties of us in in our society, in the way things are. And you say, oh, that was way back. Yep, there were some customs that we don't, but Bible truth we have to. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it to our hearts. Help us to obey that, the teaching of your word. And the Lord, um, <laughs> when we see a man with long hair, uh, we may comment, well, we'll take him out to Mr. Perry and give him a shearing. But Lord, that's not the way. It should be from our heart. The man does it, and it should be from the heart. The lady does it. The women do it. That they have a long hair for it is their glory. Bless the word tonight to us. And Lord, that we might not be contentious, but obedient. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.